What up, world? It's past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. Listen to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. And now also on YouTube, if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, go ahead and do that. Also, thanks for making Locked on Blazers your first listen every single day. It's free on all platforms, coming at you five days a week, every single weekday. Make it a part of daily routine. Listen to me every single day right here, and then tell your friends to do the same. In today's episode, it's rumor season. Uh, We've been talking trades all week, and nothing's going to change here. There are a whole bunch of signs pointing to C.J. McCollum getting traded. We'll break down the rumors, what we've heard, who's reported what, what might happen. We'll talk about what a like a good C.J. trade looks like. And uh, we'll close the show talking a little bit about the Norman Powell trade versus the Karis LeVert trade. The Blazers got a seemingly a worse return. We'll talk about why that happened in sort of the context of trade season. But let's start with the rumors. Listen, it's... All indications are C.J. McCollum is going to be traded ahead of the deadline. Uh, it is. It, it really, and quite frankly, y'all, I'm recording this after 9 p.m. on Monday, February 7th. This is Tuesday, February 8th show, and I waited this late at night because I thought it could all. I thought it could already happen. Just like sort of the way the the way the rumors are are happening and and heating up and reporting is is coming out about the Trailblazers. I I am a little worried that by the time you listen to this, dear listener, a trade could have already happened. So we will we will press forward. As of right now, CJ McCollum's on the team. The Blazers haven't made any other trade except for the Norman Powell and Robert Covington deal. But there's a, there's a lot of indicators that this is happening. There seems to be a lot of momentum, at least in the reporting world, from from uh, from my vantage point. Mark Stein, uh, who has a Substack where he's an independent reporter, uh, you can report it, or you can subscribe to Mark Stein's Substack. A longtime NBA reporter and and someone who's got the goods says that the New Orleans Pelicans and New York Knicks are both interested in C.J. McCollum. And Michael Scotto of Hoops Hype says that add the Atlanta Hawks, add a name in there that's also interested in in uh, C.J. McCollum. All three of those teams contacting the Blazers about their veteran two guard. And on ESPN, on their trade show, Adrian Wojnarowski said nothing short of the Blazers will look very different after the trade deadline. That isn't uh, a specific thing, but Woj doesn't put that out there unless it's it's a real deal Holyfield. I mean, it's unless either rival teams know it or the Blazers want that message out there. Like it, it's out there. I trust Woj when he when he when he goes on those ESPN makes those ESPN appearances. He's it, it's, that's the real deal. That is that is um, a reporter I, that I I trust. Uh, you know, reports get out for different reasons. That's a whole nother uh, a whole nother thing, but. If, if Woj says the Blazers are going to look very different, that means a lot of trades are coming, or at least a big one. And a big one is going to be C.J. McCollum. It could be others, like there certainly could be others, but the big one, the one that would sort of really push the new era forward, would be after six years of the Damon-C.J. pairing, the Blazers finally split them up. And Joe Cronin, as in, with the interim tag still on, is the one to do it. So let's look at some of those deals. Um in in Mark Stein's reporting, Stein indicated that obviously Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram wouldn't be available. Those never were names that were going to be available in a CJ McCollum trade. But uh, Herb Jones and and Jonas Valanciunas wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be available either. Not a surprise that Herb Jones wouldn't be included. Dude looks like he could be like an all defense type performer, or at least like competitive in the in the running. Um, if they had an all defense third team, you book at Herb Jones on there, like a, a really good young defender, um, albeit a little bit older because he spent four years in college. Like 
but someone who looks like a really good NBA player as a rookie in the second round. Teams don't trade those guys. They don't trade those guys for 30-year-olds on, on big contracts. You hold on to those players tightly as possible because they're good and cheap. So Herb Jones was never going to be traded. I think it's somewhat surprising that Jonas Valanciunas is like, they're holding on to him. He's on a good contract and he's a good basketball player. Um, you know, like, not borderline all-star, but like numbers where he was in the conversation where some people were like, what do you do with JV? Uh, so it's it's everyone else on, on the Pelicans roster. It's uh, Josh Hart and Thomas Sadoransky and Jackson Hayes and Nikhil Alexander-Walker and maybe Trey Murphy. It's those names. Uh, and if, you were, if you're listening to the show regularly, last week I had Jake Madison on here and he, he had put together a potential trade package, like a theoretical trade package, and it was Josh Hart. Thomas Sadoransky, Jackson Hayes, and a couple first-round picks. I still think that is really close to a deal if it's the Pelicans. I would guess maybe one pick, not two, but like that's that seems that the the idea that Jackson or that Jake laid out, which includes Jackson Hayes and includes Josh Hart and the expiring contract of Thomas Sadoransky, uh, Thomas Sadoransky, that is like that that to me sounds about right for CJ. If it's the Knicks. It's probably going to be centered around Julius Randle. Like you, you can't make it happen with the with the young guys. Like you, R.J. Barrett to me is a lot more appealing than Julius Randle. But it's hard to. C.J. McCollum makes thirty million dollars a year. It's hard to get a deal that works, uh, centered around R.J. Barrett and to get the money right. It just doesn't. It just doesn't seem likely. Um, I'm, to be to be totally clear, I'm not a big Julius Randle guy. Like, um. He was really good last year, and uh, a lefty who can pass is always going to be someone who's like near and dear to my heart, uh, just style of player. But I, I don't find Julius Randle that appealing. I'm not sure that he's like a, you know, he's like a a a, a four with defensive limitations who's... He did really shoot it well last year, but he's he's prone to some some really cold shooting spells, some just bad shooting decisions that he'd kind of seemed like he'd gotten rid of, but he's back there again, and and, and some um some lethargy with the Knicks. I think he's just in a bad mood in New York and needs to be freed. So maybe in Portland he would be uh, in a better spot. But I'm not really a Julius Randle guy. I think I'm in favor of it just because I don't want to see Damon CJ on the roster again next next fall. Like I'm just six years was enough. Let's try anything different here in Portland. But like if you're asking me, do I? I I'm not really. A, I would say I'm a, a, a light Julius Randall doubter. Um, that's just me being. I want to be honest with you, straight up about what I feel about his game. I don't love the Pelicans package either. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't do it for me. I, but I do think because the Pelicans have recently made trades for Anthony Davis, where they got a surplus of picks from uh, the Lakers and Drew Holiday, where they got a surplus of picks back from the Bucks. They seem like the most likely team to deal. Like they have. They have more. Um, sellable, dealable assets. Uh, I do think Josh Hart, Thomas Sadoransky, and Jackson Hayes is underwhelming for what you would have maybe at one point thought of of a deal for CJ McCollum. But if if that's what you get back, I don't think you. If, if it's if it, if you end up with two two picks out of the CJ trade, you can't be too mad. Although a deal centered around Josh Hart, who is a good role player, is not exactly what you would want. So let's talk about what you would want. Like those, those are the real. We Atlanta's the same thing. I can't really see a realistic deal that um, that truly works. It would be centered around the contract of Danilo Gallinari. That doesn't do it for me. I'm just ignoring the Hawks because I think it's. I think it's, they have bad enough parts, and like they're not going to trade DeAndre Hunter, and they're not going to probably not going to trade John Collins for CJ McCollum. So like. No, like if they do trade John Collins, let's talk about it. I'm into that deal, but it's like it's probably centered around uh, Daniel Gallinari's money, and 
No, no, thank you. So it's really, you're looking at Knicks and Pels, and I think the Pels make more sense as a trade partner just because they have picks. But let's talk about what you'd want. Like, what do you want in a theoretical CJ McCollum trade? Because it could happen, hell, it could happen by the time you listen to this. This could be old news, but like, it could happen very near future. What does a good trade look like for the Blazers? This we'll do in the second segment. But first, let me tell you about TurboTax. People think... Unusual circumstances mean complicated taxes, but for TurboTax Live experts, that's what makes things interesting. We all have unique lives, so why don't you just get some help solving those unique lives that lead to unique tax problems? Because TurboTax has experts who can answer your tax questions, walk you through the whole process, or do your taxes from start to finish. They help you get every deduction you deserve, no matter your unique situation. And you can talk to TurboTax Live experts through your phone or your computer without leaving your house. TurboTax Live experts are here to help you however you need it. So if you need an extra hand or to hand off your taxes to them, they'll do it. That TurboTax Live experts, they know that an interesting life can mean a greater refund. Visit TurboTax.com to learn learn more. You do your thing. They've got your taxes. Into it, TurboTax Live. All right. So what do you want from a CJ McCollum trade? If it's happening, you know, it could be New Orleans, could be New York. Could conceivably be Atlanta, but I don't think so. Maybe. Seems like he's going to be the Knicks or the Pels. Seems like it's going to be the Pels just based on package. But um, it could be the Knicks. It could be Julius Randle. I don't mean to poo-poo it. I'm just, I'm I'm not even reporting anything. I'm just using my logic brain. I encourage you to do the same. You don't need to fake the funk. You can think about this with your smart brain, dear Blazer fan. And more picks, more young players. That's more appealing to the Blazers. But what would they want in a CJ McCollum trade? What would they want? Like, what would they want? Well, at one point, they would have wanted an all-star in return. I think that's probably out the door. Uh, you know, Jules Randle was an all-star last year. John Collins probably has all-star potential. Sure, sure. I don't think the Hawks trade is going to happen. Uh, Daniel Gallinari was a very good player for the previous decades. A little bit older, a little bit longer in the tooth for the, for the rooster. But, um... Yeah, you, you would want an all-star at one point. At one point, that would have been the ask, right? It's like a borderline all-star to replace this borderline all-star. And I think the Blazers' asking price for CJ McCollum is probably pretty high just because he's their second-best player. Um, you know, he does, probably doesn't project as their second-best player moving forward because Anthony Simon's um, growth. But, like, all of CJ's tenure, he's been a better player than Ant. It's only in the last hell like in the this calendar year what is that uh 38 days as i'm recording this where you could say like oh no amphrey simons is like legitimately better than cj and you can see it right in front of you you could say amphrey simons will be better for a long time but like prior to the previous 38 days cj has been pretty clearly the blazers second best player there's been times when nurk has been better but for my money cj's consistency and offense's value over defense cj has been the second best player so you could imagine that the blazers asking price would be relatively high it would be like give us somebody back who could be our second best player tough needle to thread for cj's price and his age he's got two years and over 60 million dollars remaining on his contract making north of 30 million in each of the next two seasons he's 30 years old um He's pretty good. Like that that he's pretty good, but on on a team with with Damian Lord, he was he's been clearly a, a strange fit despite um a pretty consistent successful seasons that they've had. And a team that's going to commit to Damian Lord and Amphrey Simons is kind of untenable to keep him on the roster in my opinion. So if this is the move and it sounds like a lot of a lot of indicators are that it is then you've got to ask yourself what do you want? And I think it has changed from All-Star to like 
suitable starter at the forward spots. You want someone who, if you trade for CJ McCollum, this, this dude can start at the three, this dude can start at the four. Either one of those, right? Like, that's who you want. Um, the Blazers' first trade did not result in that. They traded Norman Powell, who I view as, like, a really solid starting player in the league. He's a two, miscast is a three, but, like, Blazers didn't get back anyone who you could say will be a solid starter. Maybe you believe Keon Johnson will develop into that. Um, maybe you're talking yourself into Justice Winslow. Maybe you're a big Eric Bledsoe believer, but, like, none of those folks, those are, you know, with all due respect, like, flotsam and a young guy is, is what it is. They got flotsam and a young guy in a second-round pick. That's... You don't want, you can't do that twice. If you do that twice, you're tearing it down. Uh, we'll see what they get back for CJ McCollum. They might, there might be some indicators that they're tearing it down anyways. But you want a suitable starter at the, at one of the forward spots. That has to be the basic asking price. That's why there's the appeal of Julius Randle, the appeal of uh, conceivably John Collins. I keep throwing that name out there, but I, I do not think that that's going to happen. I think that's like a less than 1% chance, but it's the money works. The money works is why I'm saying that. Like you could get close to there with, with his money, but I, again, I think it would be Danilo Gallinari's money and that that's, does not do the Blazers anything. So it's like a suitable starter at the forward spots. That's your first asking price. And then it's picks, but it's not, it's not d- distant picks. Like if you're, if, if the Blazers are trying to, um, if the Blazers are trying to accomplish their twin goals of being one of the bottom teams in the league this season, but good again in the fall, they need picks in the 2022 draft. Conceivably, you could convince me that picks in the 2023 draft are valuable and you could trade them and maneuver and make it happen this summer. But if I'm if if I'm asking for stuff for CJ McCollum, I want a, a, a surefire starter. Doesn't even have to be a, like a really good player, but someone who could for sure start on, say, 28 of the 30 teams in the league. And a 2022 pick. I want a first for CJ McCollum. Are you going to get a first round pick for CJ McCollum? Probably from the Pelicans just because they have a lot to give away. But, uh, or a surplus, I should say, to give away. Maybe not a lot. They're not OKC. But um, two seems like a lot. If the Blazers get two picks back, two first back from CJ McCollum, you call that a massive win. It might be a little disappointing because you're, you're thinking about the future and not the present. But like, if you, if you flip CJ for two firsts, you did a good job, like hard, hard to argue with that one. But if you don't get a suitable starting level forward and Josh Hart is a wing, he can play three, but it's, that's not ideal, but it gets you closer. I like Josh Hart. Um, then like, he's legitimately good. He's just six, five. Um, He's probably more two than three, but you can get away with more minutes of, of him at the three because of the way he plays and the way he rebounds. Uh, you want more length if you're really building around Damian Lord, but you, you'll settle, you'll get closer with that plan. Um, you know, I, I think you get, I think you get close to what you'd ask for if it's Jackson Hayes, who's looked better over the last. 10 or 12 days uh, than it, Frank, quite frankly, he's ever has in his career. I'm not really a Jackson Hayes believer, but I watched the last two Jackson Hayes games. One of them, he straight up did not miss a shot, went nine for nine. And then against uh, the Rockets, he showed all of the things he can do. Took it, you know, dribbled coast to coast, 80, 80 feet from, you know, foul line to, foul line to, to the, to the uh, rim and got fouled. Um, he, He's got some promise. He's not my guy, but he could be your guy, and I would believe it. I talked to a friend who's a big Pelicans fan, and uh, that friend was telling me hard on Jackson Hayes. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, 
In any case, the asking price for CJ McCollum has to be that. A suitable starter at forward and a, a first-round pick in the near term. A 2025 first-round pick does you no good. That 2025 second-round pick from the Pistons might end up being valuable, but it, does, it doesn't really do it doesn't really do this iteration of the Blazers well, like serve them in any way. Uh, you know, it's like that that player that they take in the 2025 draft will be lucky to play with Anthony Simons. That's like the, and, and Nazir Little. That's basically the only two dudes on the roster right now that that 2025 second round pick will play with. You want picks that can be part of this next step. So 2022 and maybe 2023, but not much, much further, unless you're tearing it down. If you're tearing it down, and this is like a, the CJ's the beginning and you're going to trade Dame, Dame this summer, yada, 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 then the calculation gets different. But if your plan, if your plan is this twin plan to be good, you know, bad now and good in October, you need, you need to make selections in the 2022 draft or be able to deal those picks immediately to to upgrade the roster. That's just, that is just how this one is going to work. That's what I'd want in a CJ trade, suitable starting forward and first round picks that come up quick. We'll see if they get it. We'll see if they trade CJ. I, th- I really think they will. Um, this isn't me reporting anything. This is me reading the tea leaves. I'm a good tea leaves. I'm a good tea leaves reader. I, I like, I'm going to publish this one right away because I think I think a CJ trade could happen very 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 soon. Uh, I think it's re- I think that is real. What I want to talk about to close the show is a recent Blazer trade, the Norman Powell-Robert Covington trade, which was admittedly a very disappointing return, particularly after the Pacers made a trade for a similarly talented player in Karis LeVert. Let's talk about the differences in those two trade packages and why the Blazers found themselves where they did in the in the final segment to close the show. But first, let me tell you about betonline.net. More odds, more lines, more props than ever before. Betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. It's a great betting week in the United States or in North America or in anywhere that you care about American football. The Super Bowl is this weekend. It's literally the biggest betting event of the year. There's no better time than to go to betonline.net where they got everything Super Bowl related. But even if you don't want to bet on on, on that big old game, they got college hoops, they got pro hoops, they got uh, soccer, they got NHL, they got all the Olympic events, they got uh, combat sports. So why not take advantage of this right now? Go to betonline.net. That's betonline where the game starts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked on Blazers. Talk to CJ McCollum trade stuff. Let's talk about a trade that already happened. Norman Powell and Robert Covington went to the LA Clippers. The Blazers got back Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, a 2025 second round pick, and uh, the 21st pick in the 2021 NBA draft, Keon Johnson, a 6'5 super athlete out of Tennessee. That's this is a this was a deal that at the time it looks like, oh, what the hell is this? And now we're a few days later, and I still feel the same way. Like, what, what the hell is this? But I think there's some clarity, um, and I, I, I want to point to an article that John Hollinger wrote in The Athletic. Uh, it published today, on Monday, February 7th, in The Athletic, where he, he discussed the trade that the Pacers and the Cavaliers completed. That deal sent a uh, you know, 20-point-per-game score, 19-and-some-change point-per-game wing, two-guard, Karis LeVert, and a second-rounder to the Cleveland Cavaliers in exchange for the expiring contract of Ricky Rubio, a first-round pick, and a second-round pick. That is just a straight up better haul. First of all, you get out from under the money. You don't have you don't have Eric Bledsoe's semi-expiring contracts, you know, partially guaranteed contract to deal with and pay off next season. You get out from the, under the money immediately. You get a real first round pick to trade into the future, and you get in a second round pick, uh, a, a near term second rounder. Like it's that's the the. the 
the Pacers got a better haul. Uh, for my money, Norman Powell is, is pretty similar to Karis LeVert. I, I probably like Norm a little bit more, but if you like Karis LeVert a little bit more because he can dribble, um, like a little better ball handler, then sure, sure. Like, I think they're really comparable players. So I think looking at this trade, you say like, Norm and Rocco got you less than Karis LeVert on his own? And I think there's a couple, there's one major reason to look at, and this is what Hollinger hi- highlighted in his piece in The Athletic, was that you're trading contracts. And Norman Powell's contract which has four years and more than 75 million, I think it's like 76.4 million uh, remaining after this season, but four for 76 left after this season, is just so unappealing for so many teams because of the years out. Levert is under contract for the through this season and next season, and then you get to make a, a decision. With the way contracts work in the NBA and the way money works in the league teams are operating on small margins and they're thinking about deep into the future and committing that much money to Norman Powell made him less appealing on the market your that contract just just drove down Norm's appeal the way I had phrased this on the podcast and and John Hollinger who writes for the athletic senior writer for the athletic is a former he spent seven years uh as the president of basketball operations or vice president of basketball operations some basketball operations title like running the Memphis's team like he has a lot of um front office experience in the league that I've you know I've spent seven years covering the Blazers in various capacities it ain't the same thing uh, although we did both start working at OregonLive.com back in the day so similar start to our careers uh, but in any case enough shout out to um, like the the phrasing I had been using was that to find a suitor for Norman Powell they were going to have to they were going to want a, a lot of Norman Powell it's going to be a lot of Norman Powell. And that was kind of the language I was using to say like, yeah, it's a big commitment. Four years is a big commitment. But Hollinger just kind of spells out like NBA front offices, they want two years, but four is a long time. The longest contract you can sign to someone off of your team is four years. The longest like re-signing you can make is five years. The, the Blazers signed Norman Powell to as long a contract as he could possibly get. In some ways, I believe that was leverage from what Powell's offseason looked like. If the Blazers lost Powell, they weren't going to have any cap room or cap space to sign in well, so they literally were not going to be able to replace him, and they had just had the sunk cost of trading Gary Trent Jr. for Norman Powell. They ha- Powell had all the leverage, and after uh, Gary Trent Jr. and Evan Fournier's uh, deals came out, and it was like, oh, that's the going rate for uh, for a shooting guard, $18.5 million per, uh, Norman Powell said, I want that, plus an extra year. I want all five years. Powell had the leverage. The Blazers gave it to him, and what it ended up costing the Blazers because they chose to move off him relatively quickly was that they didn't get much back in return. That's the difference. That's, that's, if you're looking at those two trades, that's the big difference. Karis LeVert making about the same amount of money, a very similar player in terms of production, not exactly the same in, in, um, style of play, but, a, a, a two-guard who can score, uh, Norman Powell's a two-guard who can score, maybe defend a little bit, but doesn't have the handles of Levert, but very, very similar players for my money uh, and also for their actual money, but the Pacers end up with a way better deal because of the length of the years, because of because of the value of a shorter-term contract. You get some team control with Levert as opposed to a long-term four-year commitment to Norman Powell. I'll say this, Norman Powell's pretty good. Uh, in a better context, he could have been better for the Blazers, and I still expected more of a return for Powell than the Blazers got. I still expected that. Now, I said I would wait, and I will wait. I will wait to see where this lands. If the Blazers who, uh, Eric Bledsoe, the Blazers play the Orlando Magic on Tuesday evening. Uh, this is Tuesday, February 8th show. They play the, the Magic tonight, if you're listening to this, uh, day of. And, uh, 
Eric Bledsoe has been ruled out of that game. He was ruled out of the previous game. He had not missed a single game or been on injury report for the Clippers. Uh, he shows up in Portland, immediately shows up with, you know, inflamed Achilles and didn't practice today. The Blazers held practice and, and a little media session to introduce uh, the new players. And, and Bledsoe did not practice. Uh, you know, they're holding him out. They're holding him out and they're very clearly holding him out ahead of the trade deadline because if they can find a suitor. And if they do find a suitor and they get something back for Norman Powell, they flip Norman Powell and it works. Um, or... Eric Bledsoe, as a normal valve. They flip Eric Bledsoe and it works and they, they get another thing for him, a, a, a player who can help or a draft pick or whatever it might be. I will revisit the Norman Powell, Robert Covington swap and we can talk about it. Whatever they end up getting for CJ and if that, how that factors in, we can talk about sort of the trade deadline as a whole. But that, that Norm return just looks so disappointing. The Robert Covington return seems about right. Uh, you get back an expiring contract in a second round pick. Sure, that's great. Um, but the norm return seems really disappointing, and it seems even more disappointing in light of the Karis Levert trade. And I think that the the length of contract explanation helps, but even then, really, <laughs> like I think Norman Powell's good. I think he's like if you're a long time listener, I thought it was good before he's a Blazer. I thought it was good with the Blazers. I think he's good now. Like uh, it's a little bit disappointing. So we'll see what happens next with the Blazers. But I thought that explanation from Hollinger, coupled with my uh, my language of you're gonna have to talk yourself into a lot of Norman Powell, kind of shows you where you where you uh, where where things landed with the Blazers. We'll see what happens with Bledsoe at the deadline. We'll see what happens with other players. Certainly, CJ isn't the only one who could be traded. Um, you know, Nurk and Larry and and others uh, certainly could be on the trade block. We will see what happens, and we'll have you covered right here. Five days a week, free on all platforms. Every single weekday, your only Daily Trailblazers podcast. Tell your friends about this show and then come back and join us for more shows later this week. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.